Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Money and peace don't have to be oxymorons. They don't have to be opposing opposite words um, in, I think, in the context of, of what, um, what God gives us. And, but here's the difference, though. And I want to answer some like really practical questions because as Brittany said, talking about finance can be a weird and uncomfortable thing. Uh, and especially there's just been, there's been so many things that have happened in society, politically in churches, and it, and it makes us feel very suspicious even talking about these things sometimes. But why are we doing it here at Quaybog Church? Where does, where does this come from? Like, where's our heart in talking about these things? First and foremost, it comes out of an understanding of where people are in our communities, you know, like it comes out of conversations I've had with people that either go here, people that I, I coach with or that I bump into at the gas station, just hearing the tension and hearing the nervousness and the anxiety because money can be one of the most anxiety producing things in our lives. Uh, just last night talking to a friend and he saying, you know, it's, it's just so pervasive, right? I mean, we don't barter much in this world anymore. We don't do a lot of that. So everything we do really is connected to money somehow. And he was just saying how, like how it's so important to think about. And where that peace comes from and where the anxiety is coming from. So first and foremost, it's just because the people that I care about in this community are talking about it, thinking about it, um, sometimes worrying about it. And so it's like, okay, let's bring God into that because he does want us to have freedom. But there's another component of this as well that I think is really important to talk about. It's, it's, it's all the life stuff that we live, right? It's gas being high still. Uh, if you can find gas for like 311, you feel like you've won the lottery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you go to Worcester and you're like, man, it's like 30 cents cheaper in Worcester, you know? So, but that's still expensive, right? And then you've got groceries that are expensive. And then you've got like an egg strike lately. So they're like $100 for three eggs, right? And then you've got like your energy bill has gone up. You remember when that, and they're like, oh, get ready. It's going to double this winter. And you're like, I'm sorry, did you say double? That seems like a big number, right? And then you've got inflation down, but still up. You've got all these things going on that are just creating all this tension because our budgets are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Add to that life. You got kids. Kids are expensive. They're always needing stuff. They want to eat all the time and like they wear out their clothes, you know, and then you've got parties to go to and you've got things to do just with life. And then, of course, you've got appliances and vehicles that just seem to not want to work. Brittany and I are in that fun stage of life right now where our appliances and vehicles are like, you know what? We're done. We don't want to operate the way we should anymore. Uh, And it's like, and then, you know, you add that into the mix and you've got just retirement, you've got college, you've got a million different things that are all happening as all these things that we can't control are going up or changing. But then there's all this life stuff. And so that's what I'm hearing from people that I'm talking to. And it's like, okay, so how can we find peace in the midst of all that? It can be tough. Also add to that. And here's like the third thing that I'm thinking about with doing this series. And it's just something I've become more aware of is debt. Uh, There's a lot of debt running around. So here's what I hear a lot of people get upset about. Our government has made the decision on, on our behalf to go $30 trillion in debt. That's a number so big, I don't even, it doesn't matter to me. I'm like, $30 trillion, I don't even know what that means, right? But more to us, though, more to us and what we're doing, and this is, again, uh, when I started reading these stats, it's like, this is an important topic. Let's talk about this thing. We personally, as of the end of just last month, 
Americans were themselves carrying $16.5 trillion in debt. So sometimes we get mad at the government, and it's like, well, of course they don't know how to spend, because we don't, right? We're, we're making the same kind of mistakes as Americans. But let's look at that. Like, what does that mean? Let's keep, like, dialing this down to just trying to make it personal and helpful this morning. So that means each American, every single one of us, is on average carrying $100,000 personally in debt. There's 300-some million people in America, so that means you could say that even little ones, even the little ones that joined us, they all get tagged, 100000 each, in debt. That's kind of a scary thought. But still, it's like, okay, what does that mean? And here's where I hope you can find yourself in this next list. Because I found this article on CNBC when I was thinking about this just this week. And it broke it down by generation. And I thought, this was really interesting. This was really interesting. So look at this. So let's start Gen Z. So that, and they're not going all the way down. Gen Z is bigger than this. It's younger. But since we're talking about debt, 18 to 23 is carrying $9,593 on average of debt per person in that age bracket. Now, something to consider is they've not yet been slammed with all the college debt that they're going to get nailed with soon. Also scary with this is that this generation right here with just this little pocket of debt you see here are on average already 30 days behind on their payments. Why is it important to talk about these things? Because there's a generation that's coming up that is going to get destroyed by debt. If, if we don't have a conviction that, man, we can bring this generation peace, we can help them, like, see how God would say to handle money, like, to be thoughtful of others, not just of ourselves, to not rack up this, to not get into that, but they're already headed in that direction. And I want to show you how this builds and what this looks like. So let's look at millennials, the snowflakes, my generation, right? Generally speaking, we got 24 to 39-ish. Don't get too hung up on the ages. But we've got $78,000 roughly of personal debt. That's credit cards. That's loans of any kind. That's, like, that's how that looks. Let's get a little older. Our Gen Xers out there are carrying on average per person $136-ish thousand dollars of personal debt. Whereas this should be going down because we're starting to get past some of these things. We're not. It's only going up. We get older to our boomers, ages 60, 56 to 74, roughly about $97,000 per person of personal debt. Then you get to our silent age, our silent generation, 75 and up. Still, even at that age, how it breaks down is about $41,000 of personal debt. What we have in our culture is generational debt, and it's just what's normal. And you look at all these, how these stack up together, right? So, yes, we can say, um, you know, per person it's $100,000 in debt, which can be crushing to people, especially the college debt that some people are struggling with. But you look at how this breaks down with each generation, and there's a clear understanding that, man, debt is just something that we live with forever. Now, here's the thing. This was done by CNBC. Halfway through this article, where they're pointing out all of this debt that we're carrying and how big of an issue this is, right in the middle of the article, they say, hey, we just want to pause real quick and give a shout out to our sponsors. So if you need to open up a new line of credit, you can go to Citibank. <laughs> or you can, you can consolidate debt. And they list off like four or five different things where if you need more debt, here, you can find it through our sponsors. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you just got done saying all this stuff. But then... And here's why. Here's exactly why. And this is the cultural soup that we live in right now. Look at how the very last line of this article, look what they said. As you can see, it's normal to carry debt. It's just who we are and it's what we do our entire lives. And they go on. And it says, same sentence. 
but staying on top of it will protect your credit score. Well, why would you want to do something like that? And this is the crux of the matter right here. And ensure you have access to the right kinds of products at lower interest rates for years to come. You can enjoy being in debt your whole life. And it was like, when I read that, it was like, man, this can be awkward to talk about, but man, we got to talk about it. Like, this is discipleship. Like, this is following after Christ and seeing what we live in and the normalcy of what is expected and then the freedom and the peace that Jesus Christ offers us in the midst of that. So when I read this article, it was just like, man, that's crazy. But as you can see, having debt is normal and you get to enjoy it until you are literally dead, right? And so... That's, that's where we start. That's where my heart is. That's what I'm thinking about as I get into this kind of stuff. But let's take one more step to personalize it because Dave Ramsey is the one that does Financial Peace University. And we're going to end this series in those small groups. What's cool, as I think I have said before, um, we've had very generous people in our church fund the ability to make the Ramsey program free for everybody. So when we end this series in six weeks, we're going to do connect groups in Financial Peace University. So if you're a teenager or if you're 75, you can come and join these groups totally for free because we've had generous people in our church that have purchased it for the year so we can give unlimited licenses away. That gives you a budgeting app. It gives you all kinds of videos on how to understand how to take practical steps to get out of debt, have financial peace, and build wealth so that you can be generous, so that you have margin in your life, so that you're not freaking out every time an accident happens because you're one accident away from financial crisis. And so I just love how they do that. If you've got kids that are getting ready for college, they've got resources. How do you send a kid to college debt-free? What? That's a thing, right? And so they have all these resources for people to help us understand how to do money God's way. And I love it that we've just had generous people that have made that free for everybody that's going to be involved in this. So in six weeks, we'll be giving away these memberships for free, which I'm really excited about. Because if we, as a part of this program, they have a little calculator in there and they say, okay, Put in the number of people that come to your church, and we'll tell you how much debt your church has. How many, like the people that are coming to just your church. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, and again, it's based on averages. It's not like they're checking your background or anything. It's just based on the averages in the country. So what that looks like is just for a church of our size, the people that come here collectively are carrying about $3 million in debt. But we only have, on average, based on Americans, about $445,000 saved. That's pretty lopsided. So how does that debt break down? What are the top three in uh, this church? So let's look at that. You have credit cards, about 540000 Student loans, about a million. And then car loans, not far behind, at almost a million dollars. So just at our church, just like if you just went off the numbers of the people that came here, that's what we're looking at. And then I began to think, well, if we're talking about debt, we're talking about interest, we're talking about unseen costs, what does that mean? Well, that means this next slide, if you took our $3 million of debt, multiplied it by a good round number of 15%, just the people here are going to rack up a breathtaking $450,000 in interest just this year. Just this year. So you talk about financial peace, that is not it. That is normal, though, isn't it? That is normal. And God says, don't be normal. Be a weirdo. Be strange. Be somebody that doesn't have $450,000 collectively building up on top of you as you try to keep up, right? And so that's the beauty of this Financial Peace University is they will teach you, no matter where you are in debt and your income, they will literally teach you step-by-step -step plans to get out of that and find financial peace. And that is a gift. It's a gift I believe also we need to give to younger generations, 
Like, I wish I would have known this stuff when I was 18. I wish desperately I would have known. Somebody would have loved me enough to be like, hey, let me sit you down and, and teach you how to do this thing because it's a big deal in your life. And that's what we're about at Quayblog. Like, we love people enough to try to invest in them, to show them a way, like, what following Christ really looks like in your life. Remember, 2023, Quayblog Church, our theme, Gospel in Real Life. Let's take Scripture, see how it applies to, changes, and actually blesses your life. That's what we're doing this year. That's a huge focus and emphasis, and that's why we're doing this, because we really do actually care about you. God really does actually care about you. Because, again, to go back to our quote, it's normal to carry debt. But staying on top of it, though. Keep that debt, and you're going to get a good credit score. Why? So you can ensure that you never get out of debt for years to come. I mean, that's like, it sounds silly, but it's kind of just the way we live. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's normal. And so let's not be normal. Let's see what God says about this stuff. Because I do believe that, that spending and debt are robbing us of freedom. They're robbing us of peace. I do believe that spending and uh, debt are robbing us of our opportunity to bless others. Right? If you're somebody that, like, follows God, if you're, like, a Christ follower, like, we get to pour out generosity and, like, do, like, cool little things that nobody knows about to other people just because we're a follower of Jesus and we're reflecting his love. But when we're drowning and spending in debt, we can't, we just can't do that, right? We just can't do that. And then, again, the anxiety that comes with it and the fights and arguments and the divorces that come with it. So let's see what God has to say about this. In Proverbs 29, I just want to frame our entire series with this verse here. Without revelation, people run wild. Like, 16 trillion wild. But one who follows divine instruction is going to be what? Happy. A lot of us don't think that God wants us to be happy. Well, I think scripture would argue otherwise. It seems as though if following God and listening to his words, especially on a topic like this, that there will be a measure of happiness that comes with that, that peace will come with that, that freedom will come with that. And that will bring, I think, you know, a sense of like, hey, I'm happy. Wow, I don't have this weight on me anymore. And there's no shame in having the weight, but just knowing that the opportunity to move away from it is something that Christ offers. Right? And this is a big area of life where we can do that. Now, you may be thinking this morning, too, like, well, I'm not really, in, I'm not having problems with money and peace. They're oxymorons to me. The advantage, then, is that you get to share that with somebody else. You get to share that peace. Well, how do you have peace? Why are you not a financial wreck? Why are you not so anxious about this stuff? Why are you making these changes in your life, as we're going to see in the video at the end of a couple that goes to our church? Why are you doing that? Well, let me tell you, like, I just, I'm listening to God on this one. And he's really providing for me. He's really showing me some things. Like, that's a gift we can give to other people as well. And what I do want to say right up front, on a personal note, for me personally, my wife Brittany, is that as your pastor, standing up and talking about these things is awkward. It can be difficult because I'm just a person. I make mistakes. Uh, Brittany and I, the commitments we've made. What have we committed to? Well, we're going to be generous with our money. We are going to, every single month, we are going to tithe. We're going to give 10% away of everything that we earn in that month to be generous to this church, to be generous to people, to just pour out the blessing that God's given us. We're going to, we've made a, a commitment on top of that. We want to also be generous outside of that. So we're going to find other ways to bless people and do little gifts and like things like that. Uh, your pastor, not doing it perfect, but really trying to do it right. You know what I'm saying? However, um, it's still, I mess up all the time. We've committed to be debt-free. We've committed to be credit card-free. <laughs> Yikes, right? We've committed to these things. Like, so I'm living this stuff out, but not perfectly. And I, so I just want you to know that Brittany and I, uh, we are really trying to do this stuff. We are trying to be not normal. We are trying to be different. We are trying to give our own children a legacy of generosity and, and peace when it comes to finances. 
Um, but it's hard to stand up and talk about it because just last week um, I, I made a decision that like didn't break the bank. It didn't make it so we couldn't pay the electric bill and we could afford it because we did have the money. But I felt awful. I felt like we spent too much money on something and it was kind of me. I just wanted to do it. And <laughs> Thursday morning I'm sitting there prepping my sermon and all I can hear in my head is just like, you are such a fraud. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are such a fraud. You're going to get up in front of other people and talk about financial freedom and peace. And two days ago, you just went out and you had a meal that was way more expensive than you should have spent money on. And then I'm like, well, we, we had the money. And, and Satan was like, so, you big fraud? You know. But it was just like my heart was wrecked. So I had to literally call Brittany. There I was. I always go to Sawdust Cafe. So if you see me and I don't say hi on Thursday mornings at Sawdust Cafe, it's because I'm prepping sermons. But... I had to call her and I said, I'm like such a mess right now, babe. Like I, I'm here. I am getting ready to do this sermon. I can't even think how to put my ideas together because I feel fake. And she prayed over me and she's like, no, 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 that's just the enemy. Like you don't need to be perfect to stand up and talk about this. You just need to honestly present what God has said. So that's where I am. That's my journey. I'm not perfect. I mess things up pretty consistently in every area of my life. Right. Like we're all, we're all human. Right. Um, but you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this right. And I just wanted to start by saying that, like I'm trying my best, Brittany and I are trying our best to do it right. Because to answer this question, this is something that we, next one, this is something that we've been really uh, trying to do right. What would it feel like for Kyle and Brittany? What would it feel like for you personally to have financial peace? This is one of our goals. Like we want to say we have financial peace. Like we're doing it the way God wants us to do it. So that's our goal. That's where we're headed. Um, But I want to give you a principle to start off this series with. Now, this is a very biblically based principle. This is a very like, okay, I believe in God principle. This is a spoiler alert here. This is very much I believe in Jesus and I trust in Jesus kind of a thing. But this is partly where the peace comes from, right? For me, it's a big part of where it comes from. The money isn't ours. We're just managing it. This for me relieves a lot of pressure. If I don't think I'm the source of everything, that relieves a whole lot of pressure from me. It allows me to put more faith in God that he is actually going to care for me, that he does actually love me, that he does want me to have the things I need. Just like Jesus says, God knows what you need and he'll provide those things for you. Like this right here was life-changing for me to start thinking in that way because if I see myself as a manager and not the owner of everything, it's different for me. I want to be a little more particular on how I spend my money. Because if, if, if you gave me money, right, if you gave me money, if you gave me money and let me borrow a thousand bucks and you said, I need you to manage this for me, I'm going to be pretty careful with that money. I'm not, I, me personally, I'm not going to go out and just be like, sick, I can finally get that gun I wanted. You know, awesome. I can get that upgrade on my car. Sweet. I can go out of town for the weekend. And you'd be like, hey, so how's the thousand dollars working out? Dude, it was great, man. We went to New Hampshire. I got this new gun. Thank you so much. You know, no, I'm going to be really, really thoughtful in how I manage your money because it's an integrity issue. So it shifts it big time for me. And so if you can think about that way, like, man, this is not mine. This is a gift that God has given me and I want to really manage it well. Like that's been big for me. Honestly, that's been big for me in my, in my life because it makes me think, think about my wants versus needs. Uh, and when you wrestle with your wants versus needs, you start asking questions like, do I really need that? Do I, do, I, do I really actually need that? Or is that just something that I want other people to know I have? Right? It's like you start thinking differently about the things that are in your life and you just shift. And in the, in the Old Testament, I want to journey back a little bit here because this is a topical series. So we're kind of hitting different passages from all over the place. But 
We're going to journey back in the Old Testament. And there's a principle that Moses uh, gave the people of Israel. So here's the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. 3,500 years ago, this was written. They're forming the nation of Israel. And he says, remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. Wealth and money are not bad things. We shouldn't think of them as bad things. God gives us the ability. It's a gift from him. James in the New Testament, half-brother of Jesus, echoes this. So now we're, we're shooting you know, 1,500 years ahead in the future from where Deuteronomy was. And he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good gift, every single one comes from above. It comes down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. It's just this idea, like when I follow God, when I belong to him, I know where my gifts come from. And this principle is rooted in Genesis. So if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you see this scene of God saying something about himself. It's not just about how he made everything. That's not, Genesis is not a scientific account of what God did. It's, just, it's him telling us specifically that he did it, and he did it with a purpose. So in Genesis chapter 1, this is where you see the God owns everything principle start. He says to Adam and Eve, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth. And every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. I have provided everything for you. So what was the very first job on earth? It was a gardener. To tend to the gardener. Right? To tend to the garden. That, 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 that's what he was. He said, I've given you this beautiful gift. I want you to take care of it. Why? So it's awesome for you? No, because you've got kids coming up behind you. You've got young people. You've got another generation coming up behind you. And I want you to tend to this thing, care for it, so you can be generous and bless others with it. This is a gift I've given you. It's a whole different way of thinking about what we have in our lives. Right? How much do we care about that next generation coming up behind us so that we can bless them with what God has given us? Again, it's a hugely different way of thinking about our stuff, our things. And the psalmist would say this. Let me give you a couple of psalms. In Psalm 24, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. A little bit later in Psalm 89, again, the heavens are yours. The earth also yours. The world and everything in it, it's all yours. You found him. Everything. So say you're willing to take that leap with me. Right? So that's, for me, that's a, personally, that's a big, big idea to, to absorb, that everything is God's and it's a gift to me. It's shifted the way I think about my stuff. So say this morning you're willing to take that leap with me. You're like, okay, All right, I can see that you know, what I have, I'm blessed uh, just to be in this nation for one, but the things I have, I really am blessed, so what then? Like, what does God expect of me? What does he want me to do with it? And that's where you see poured out in the rest of the Bible, really, Old Testament and New Testament, this idea that, again, you're given things so that you can tend to them well, so that you can bless others with what God has blessed you with. That's, like, that's a big Christian ideal. Big Christian ethic is to bless others, to be generous as Christ has been generous to us. And there's one famous place that you can, uh, you probably your mind, if you know some scripture, you might think the parable of the talents, right? Where Jesus is saying, hey, there's this, and it's a longer story, so I'm not going to read it this morning, but here's the gist of it. In the parable of the talents, Jesus says there's four people. There's a master who's got all the money and all the stuff, and he owns everything. Then there's these two other servants. One he gives five talents, one he gives two talents, and one he only gives one talent to based on their ability. 
How much has he trusted them with? Well, he trusted them with what they were able to be trusted with. So he goes off to a foreign land and he comes back. And then these little conversations happen. Then one servant comes up and he said, hey, man, I've turned five into ten. I've invested it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Comes back. The second one, same thing. Hey, I've invested it. I've doubled it. Like, this is great. Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. And then you have this awkward shift in the story where the one talent servant comes and he says, hey, basically, I know you're a jerk. So I just hid your money. And I waited for you to come back. Uh, I know you're cruel. I know you take advantage. I know you like take credit for things you didn't do. So like, I didn't want any of that. So I hid the money, buried it in a hole. Here you go. Here it is back. And he says, you worthless servant. You worthless and lazy servant. It's like, yikes. So the whole idea here is like in a parable, you have to pull, you know, what is he getting at? Well, partly money. What have you done with the resources I've given you? Have you blessed others with it or not? Or have you been selfish and just hit it? Did you not do anything with it? Because I read a, um, a commentary this week, and I, I thought it was helpful, and I wanted to share some of the notes from that. So this guy says, like the master, God entrusts all people with a portion of his resources, expecting them to act as good stewards of it, right, as we've been talking about. And then next, so like the two good servants, God's people will be commended and rewarded when they have faithfully discharged that commission, when we've been generous as we've been commanded and called to do. Right? And then the last thing, this is where the story, again, took, took that awkward turn with Jesus. Like the wicked servant, those who fail to use the gifts God has given them for his service will be punished by separation from God. Why? Well, because that person has rejected the goodness of God. They've rejected knowledge of God because that third servant didn't really know the master. That's what Jesus is saying. This, this person doesn't, doesn't even really know me. Like, so there was no relationship there. And so it's, it's kind of a harsh parable, but at the same time, it's a reminder, like, let's Make sure we bless others with what we've been blessed with. Don't be selfish. It's not yours. But that, again, that's the world that we live in. That's the normalcy. Waste it all, spend it all, and then spend more when you're done. And just keep living in that pattern. Because here's what I see in the Bible. Financial generosity, it's not just an action or an amount. It's what? It's an attitude. So Dean and Terry, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry. So Dean and Terry, for 12 years for me have been a, an incredible example of quiet generosity. So the reason I see some of these things really in my own life uh, about the right attitude, not just action, not just an amount, is watching Dean and Terry. Terry and Dean, they, they led and loved and shepherded this church for decades, right? Decades and uh, decades. And when I got here... I saw in them just this quiet attitude of we are going to live really, really differently. We're not going to buy all the things that we could afford, and we're especially not going to buy all the things that we can't afford. And what is that going to do in their life? I saw financial peace in them. I saw they didn't worry about stuff as much. And then I saw people would come and say, hey, we need help with something, and they'd just be like, okay. And Dean shared from the pulpit one time when he shared just generously with somebody and was taken advantage of. So even that sometimes happened, right? But did Dean stop? No. He had a heart of generosity. Terry, a heart of generosity. Terry, a heart of like, let's not own anything but the bare minimum. <laughs> and Terry's one of the people we're going to interview in these videos. And she's all excited about hers because minimalism, here we come. Um, but they lived in a very different way, in a very simple way, and they were able to just wildly bless people. And I thank you, too, for that example. It's changed a lot in you guys, and I appreciate that. And there's other people in my life that I've seen that in, and it makes me want to be that as well. That kind of generous person who doesn't buy everything that he wants, 
Because if I don't, I can shift in the way that I think about money. I can have margin in my life because my attitude is different. And the people I look up to most in my life are some of the most generous people I know. I mean, just straight up without exception. And there's this guy, and it's funny how applicable this is. This dude, Andrew Murray, this quote here. The world asks, what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? This is in the late 1700s. So it's funny, not a lot has changed, right? The, the world still wants to know what you own. What do you have? Are you buying that because you need it or you need to have other people know you have it, you know? And I, I think this is still applicable. This is 1700s and this guy is just saying, Christ just wants to know how are you using the gifts that he's given? Because here's what I see my generosity. Here's what I see people gener- people's generosity reflect. First, it's God's character and love. I mean, that's, people get to see that when we're like that with them. When we pay for them and the, the line behind us, and then you tell the person that's checking you out in the drive-thru, and you say, hey, can you just tell them God bless you for me? Like, that's like just little things that you can do. Or you pay for somebody at a restaurant. I've had people do that for me, and it was crazy cool, right? And they just left a little note on my receipt. Hey, we just want to um, bless you in the name of Jesus. Like, somebody actually did that one time. On my receipt, it came back and it said zero, and it just said, hey, we just want to bless you in the name of Jesus. I was like, what? And it was Applebee's too, right? So it was nice. It was nice. It wasn't McDonald's. It was Applebee's. We were living it. All right, next. It reflects our trust in God. I can be generous because I know God's going to keep providing me good gifts, right? I know I can give it away. It's not mine. Helps others start and grow a relationship with Jesus because they're going to see that in you. It's a witness to your faith, your generosity. Next. It helps us move from consumer, it's all about me, to contributor, right? It's about others as well. And then? That shift that that makes is it actually does bring financial breathing room because it makes us pay more attention to wants versus needs. And that all leads to, ultimately, financial peace. Like, I really do see that in people I admire. I see that in Scripture. I see that in my own life because now, all of a sudden, I do have to start asking those questions. Do I really need that? Do I really need to spend my money on that? Actually, no, I don't. So now I'm I'm more focused on my budget. I'm more focused on other people. And it just brings all this financial margin and breathing room and peace into my own life. That's a gift from God. And I think it's where he wants us to live. And that's why he wants us to have that financial peace. So if you got a a budget when you came in today, it was a thing with a staple. I know maybe not everybody grabbed one of those. Why did I make those available? And they're going to be available over there. And they are all the time. We're very open with the books here. We budget everything down to the penny here. Um, If you have one in front of you, I'd like you to go to page five. uh, Because this is the purpose. I shared earlier that Brittany and I are trying to do this in our own lives. And if you go to page five, And if you go to the third column, you'll see what's been budgeted for this fiscal year. And if you go to the bottom of that column, it'll say missions total. So this year, we have committed, this fiscal year, committed to give $34,000 away as a church. Because we want to also be generous. We want to live the example that we're preaching. So when everybody tithes, right? So when you give a tithe to this church, an offering to this church, right off the bat, we know 10% of everything that comes in that year is going to be given away. So if the tithe goes up and more people are being generous, we're finding more people to support. We're finding more things to give money away to because we want to model that generosity that we're saying Christ wants you to model in your life. So that's why I handed these out. We're not going to go through all that because that's, well, that's the business meeting, right? We kind of do that. But here I just wanted you to see that our church is also modeling what we're talking about today. It's that big a deal that as a church, we want to be that generous as well. All right. So what I want to close with then today is a very, very practical um, thing that we're going to end every single Sunday with. So I want to 
I want to show some things that are going on in society. I want to say, okay, and this is what Scripture says about it. And then every Sunday, I want to end with somebody from our church that is sharing their journey. Now, how did I pick these people? Somebody asked me, like, how did you get the, the people that are doing these interviews? Well, they were all people that were in my life at the time when God was really putting this on my heart last fall. And I began to think about these things and pray about these things and, like, Lord, should I do a series or something around this? You know, what do I do? And then all of a sudden, all these people were kind of bouncing into my life. And in some of these people, I really just admire how they do finances. Like, I've watched them quietly from a distance and been like, I want to do what they do with money. I want to be where they are in 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to just really be generous to the level that they are because it's really cool the things that they get to do. And then some people, though, are just early in the journey. Like, so in these videos over the next six weeks, we're going to have the 30s represented, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So we've got a huge span of life experience and perspective given in these videos. And our first up are a couple of friends of mine who were, I was watching, and it really was the spark that started this series for me. Because they accepted Christ, got baptized just recently, and then all of a sudden, all this crazy radical change started happening in their life with money. And I was like, what's happening to you guys? Like, what are you doing? You know, like, where's all this coming from? Because we hadn't talked about it, but they were just sharing what was going on. And it was really the spark for me that was like, yeah, man, this can really be a blessing. Look what, it's, look what has happened in, in, these, in these guys' lives. This is awesome. So first up, we have uh, Chris and Crystal here for our first week video.
so the you know taking small steps, uh, being you know unstoppable force, just when you have your mind set to something, especially when you're doing it with somebody. And uh, next week we're going to be talking about community uh, and the importance of community and wisdom. Uh, so I hope you'll make a commitment to be here because I'm really excited about this. Just the people I've talked to and uh, the changes I've seen in people and the videos we get to make and just hearing stories. Uh, again, just such an important topic, such an important part of our lives that I really do believe that Jesus wants us to have freedom in. He doesn't want us to be normal. He wants us to have peace. Uh, he wants us to find that wherever you are financially. That's what I love about where the series will end in these connect groups is we're literally going to provide a program that will show you no matter where you are financially how to get out of that and how to have financial peace. I love it because Christ really does want the best for us. And I hope you know that. And I hope you know that's where our heart is for preaching a series like this is we want to, you to be able to see how Scripture can change and apply to and bless your life, you know, because it really, really can. So I want to end with one little picture, too, as we get going on this. Never underestimate the importance of small steps. Sometimes with this kind of stuff, it can feel like we're over there on the left. Um, but remember, small steps turn into small momentum, which builds into big momentum, which turns into really life-changing wins in your life, right? And that's where we're headed. Like, that's where Jesus, like, that's, it. that's where his wisdom leads us. And so uh, let me close this up in prayer. So Jesus, I, I pray that uh, this would be something that is a huge blessing. Lord, I pray that we can share this with people, whether it's the message, whether it's the video this week. Um, whether it's uh, whatever, the podcast on this, Lord, I pray that we could absorb this, share this, bless this with, uh, bless other people with this, because I know uh, a lot of people are just stressed, and I know I can be, and I know what you offer us, though. And so I thank you for that, um, that there's a peace with knowing that gifts just come from you, Lord, and, uh, and we need, just need to be faithful with what we've given. Uh, so help us to do that. Help us to have and find a financial peace, Jesus Christ. And I pray that, Lord, in your name, with the confidence of knowing you hear us. And his church said, amen. God bless you all. We love you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.